Hi there, I'm Jake, here with Travis for a special mini-episode of the Lake of Rage radio show. On this episode, we're going to be talking about our first impressions of Ultrasun and Ultramoon. So be warned, there will be spoilers, but only for Melee Melee Island. That's the first island. Um, and, and before we get started, Travis? Yeah, before we get started, we're on Stitcher and iTunes now, and you can find us on either of those by searching for Lake of Rage radio. And we're also going to be looking into getting some intro and outro music commissioned for the show. Um, I was playing Ultra Moon. You're playing Ultra Moon as well, right? Yep, we're all playing Ultra Moon. Yeah, and Brandon as well. So he's not here today, by the way. I guess you may have not noticed that. If you probably did, he talks a lot. <laughs> we're doing another episode. I guess we're just going to kind of cut out of this. We're doing uh, this mini episode today, and then um, on Thursday, which is uh, American Thanksgiving, we will be recording a f- another episode. I don't know if it's going to be another mini episode length one um, or not. Uh, that's going to be about Island Two. Uh, Akala Island. I guess let's. Uh, do you want to launch right into it for uh, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon? Uh, yeah. Let's just go ahead and start talking right away about some of the stuff we've noticed that's changes. Like, uh, I just, I want to go in first, just commenting at like a lot of people have been discussing how little they feel, like how few changes they feel like they've heard seen in the game, and I feel overall the same beats of the game are the same arguably but there are so many differences as far as like the details uh, of the game and like the path you take to get to the main story beats as well like right away getting the starter on your way up to the story beats instead of getting it as part of those just events yeah i feel like the pacing of the game at the beginning is much much better because you just kind of walk up the the road get attacked by a young goose the youngest gets scared away by the three starters and then kukui gives you the starter right away which is vastly it's better paced and it feels better because they break up all of the um the exposition dump with battles with wild pokemon battles with how etc 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 like just choices that the player actually gets some input on instead of here's some exposition dump here's us leading you around on a leash as somebody who replayed sun and moon a few times um for like nuzlocke runs I feel like this will make a big difference because instead of just doing like 45 minutes of nothing before you get to choose your starter, like the game actually feels like you're doing something in that time period. So it's less of a pain in the butt. So I hope that's going to make a difference for um, like replayability. I think it definitely will, especially just like the characters feel more alive in this one as well. Yeah, dialogue feels a lot better. Your mom makes many jokes like referencing the, the, the whole boxes meme thing where like, you spend your entire game and your mom has not packed your boxes yet. And she keeps keeps saying, like, I swear I'll unpack these boxes. And it's it's good. I like it. So I really appreciated the Ultra Recon Squad's appearance. At first I thought they were just going to be like this stingy, like, just like this blatantly evil force based on the stuff we saw in the trailers. But I was really happy to see that they're just like these lovable goofballs who come to the world. They're all, oh yes, um, hmm, you're probably expecting us to greet you with an Alola right now. And they're just, they're just so goofy, and I love them. Um, I I'm pretty neutral on them, to be honest with you. Like, I they're they're cool. Um, I still don't trust them because they use the words "we're going to like steal the energy from this world or harness the energy from this world to get back our light." And that you know, I don't know. It seems a little. Uh, it seems a bit much. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but. I feel like there might be some evil to them at this point as well. That's fair. They could turn out to be a lot like how... uh, Plasma? Yeah, Plasma felt. Where it seems like they're nice on the surface and then you actually start to dig into them. 
I mean, that's kind of the idea they went with with the Aether Foundation. And I do kind of, I mean, this is just general Sun and, like, Gen 7 spoilers. So, I mean, if you haven't played any of Gen 7 yet at this point, which, I mean, what what are you doing here? Um, that's kind of what they did in the original game with uh, the Aether Foundation and um, Team Skull. Was they kind of did a flip-flop of that where... Team Skull is like, they're the big bad guys, but actually they're not. And team, I mean, the Aether Foundation really wasn't themselves necessarily evil. They yeah, they're still kind the of a good organization. Like, they are a conservation organization, and they do a lot of good stuff. And I guess, technically speaking, even, like, um, the things that they do um, that are evil are, like, you know... You, your boss's kid ran away with the like expensive genetic experiment type null that you did like so yeah of course you'd be against that kid that kid like went rogue and you'd consider that kid to have joined a criminal organization in team skull you know like yeah he clearly stole the family car ran away and joined the gang <laughs> yeah no so i mean a lot of like the grunt level stuff at least it feels like they didn't know really what they were uh doing bad at the very least I guess, speaking of which, uh, so Island 1 then, going through everything. First thing I noticed uh, when you get to the Tapu Koko scene, um, the difference between that is that, um, first off, just all camera angles and like character models are far more dynamic. There's a lot more movement. Everything looks a lot less stiff in this game. And uh, the big thing was the Spiro attacking you. Like, the Spiro physically actually attacking you instead of just yeah. kind of, like, circling you this time was really neat. And then you even get to battle one of them, which helps break up that entire cutscene so it feels like you're actually doing something, which is also good. It also helps they have your Pokemon this time, that they can do that. I don't remember if you had it the nope, first time. Nope, you did it. You before. just, like, stood on, like, you just, like, laid over the top of Nebby and was like, okay, here we go, I'm doing the thing. It's like, that's why you get the thing it's like tapu koko was impressed with the fact that even without a pokemon you went out of your way to help and like try to stop the the spiros which i feel like actually narratively is better in the first game for that specific instance um from the player's point of view it's it's awful like yeah no like just not having a pokemon that long into the game is ridiculous and takes way too long that's probably my biggest fault with sun and moon like sun and moon are probably Playing through the first time some of the best games. But on a replay, they're just kind of a slog oh, until it's, you hit it's the worst. halfway through the second island. Yeah. Um, then what was the other thing that happened there? Like, you get attacked. Um, Tapu Koko actually, like, hits them. You see them getting, like, hit and thrown around and stuff. It's just really good. Um, Lily responds to you this time. Yeah. And you ask her, like, who are you? Oh, I'm Lily. I'm like, that, I, like, screamed at my DS, like, oh, okay, you're going to answer now. After you ask her two times already. Yeah. But, I mean, in the other games, like, you would ask her, like, who are you? And she would just shake her head and be like, this stone is yours. And it's like, listen, that's not what I asked. The battle against Howe didn't really feel that much different, though. No, not at all. It, it felt largely the same. Uh, but moving on from that, like... Um, just trainers in general have different Pokemon. Different Pokemon are findable in the wild, and that's nice. Um, How do you feel about the totem stickers? Totem stickers are interesting, like because that that skips ahead to us being actually in um, Howley City, um, where you run into Ilima and he's sticking stickers on walls, and you're you talk to him. He's like Team Skull, 
Boy, those shen- those those troublemakers. Those hooligans. Those hooligans causing shenanigans. Uh, shenanigans? <laughs> shenanigans. Um, Trying to ruin the island challenge for everyone else by taking these stickers off the walls. Which, like, is stupid to me. Like, just from a in-world, like, um, explanation to the totem stickers is, like, the trial captains walk around vandalizing public property by sticking stickers to them. And, like, as a trial goer, you're supposed to take the stickers off. Like, you only ever see you and how, at least in this game and in the previous game, as confirmed trial goers. That's true, but is it really vandalism if it's public property and they are the trial captains? It's in people's houses! There's a there's a sticker on Guzma's refrigerator! Maybe Guzma's dad was okay with it. He still lives there. He's in the house talking about how he's so disappointed and stuff. I mean, yeah. That, yeah, I always used to give my son a beating, and then he gave me a beating, and now he's gone. Wow, Guzma's dad. Way to be a jerk. Ilma is still uh, pretty pretty ill. Ilma. Ilma. Illy Dan. Old ill boy. Long story short, uh, Ilma is... It's, it's kind of funny because I like to think that the, the, as they refer to in Sun and Moon, the Berry Boys, um, or alternatively, uh, they are called the Beach Boys in this game, which, Laura, oh, I love that. Uh, their pun game is on point. Their pun game is great. Um, how they talk, like, they're stealing the stickers to mess with Ilma. I don't actually think Team Skull as an organization, organization is a real loose term, I yeah. think with them but like as an organization is actually like intentionally messing with Ilima. i think it's just these two grunts yeah i are, think these two are just they've just, got some beef with Ilma, and they're like let's mess with Ilma," which is funny like Ilma is some uh rich pretty boy with like the fancy mansion house and the i gotta go back with i don't know they have the fishing rod on island two and get the sticker out of this pool there's a sticker in Ilma's pool, which, like, is kind of interesting because it's a sticker, and it's in a pool, and, like, water and adhesive. I don't know. Like, did he drain his pool, stick the sticker to it, and then fill it? Like, how is it staying stuck underwater? Many is it, questions. Is it staying stuck underwater, or is it just floating on the surface? It's not floating on the surface. It's, like, you can see, like, it's concave into the side of the pool. Maybe it's a special adhesive. You be adhesive? Oh, man. Now we know where all the totem stickers came from. Oh, man. The conspiracy theory has now been confirmed, guys. Um, you be adhesive totem sticker maker Pokemon. Yeah. I appreciate that the first island was a... It felt a little bit shorter than it did in the original games, which helped out a lot, and it's probably why we're struggling for much to say about it here. Because... All you really do is you get your starter, you follow the more or less the main like story moments. Uh, you save Lily, you go to Ma- or not Melee Melee City, you go to Howley City, and then do Elma's trial. There's the trainer school too, and some of the trainer kids have different Pokemon. Um, you can catch some new Pokemon in the trainer school. You can catch a Zorua now. That's pretty neat. And then uh, the only other major change on the first island there is to talk about is. Uh, well, I suppose was the uh, weird little back room there in the flower meadow. 
Oh yeah. Well, back room more like it's the little cave. Where yeah, you find I'm Nubby this time. Not a hundred percent sure that that cave wasn't there. I'm pretty sure that cave existed in the previous one. Just like you didn't go into it. Yeah, I was gonna say I remember finding Nubby in the flower field last time. Yeah. And this time it's the cave. So uh, I'm gonna head back there and explore next time I get a chance to. Now that I've got Lapras. But uh, I think the other major thing, there is a couple other major things. Um, the the first major thing I, I think about is the, the Beach Boys versus the Berry Boys thing. Uh, the only thing that really stuck out for me about them, at least, was the Mantine surfing. Yeah. They'll go up to it and you find out that Team Skull's not allowed to do Mantine surfing. Because they just try and dance on the Mantines and they fall off into the water. Which, hold on here, does not hurt the Mantines. So I don't understand why there's this big thing, like... You guys can't dance on the Mantines. Well, we can't stop dancing, you know? It's, that's in our soul. That's who we are, is our dancing. And these people are just kind of, you know, kind of being a little jerky about it. Being a little, you know, shitty about it, you know? Well, I mean, like, it's. I feel like it's kind of like one of those you can't run at the pool things. I guess. I can understand that. Like, imagine if, like, in-game, it's never shown that there's more than one person surfing at a time. Yeah. But imagine that there were, like, two or three people surfing at a time. Yeah. And you've just got these jokers up here who are constantly falling off their mantine because they're not actually trying to surf. They're just sitting there dancing and being jerks about it. They're going to run into someone else. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to fall off their mantine and have a bad day, and it's not going to be the Beach Boys. I feel like, in general, Team Skull gets, like... I'm going to go ahead and say they get... A real, real bad rap. They get the short end of the stick. Like, they're really not doing that much. Like, people are like, yeah, they do bad things. But the only people who actually ever claim 100% that they've done anything, like, that's borderline, like, abusive to Pokemon or anything like that, at least thus far in the game to me, happens on Island 2. And it's the Aether Foundation who claims it, who, I mean, if it's still the same plotline from the first games... You know, assuming that it is, as far as, like, the Aether Foundation thing. Lusamine is the one funding Team Skull, and is the one who's, like, orchestrating some crazy puppet master uh, fight between the two. Where I'm assuming, you know, like, there's being false information fed to these people. Like, yeah, these Pokemon are being abused by Team Skull. Because we never see that. Well, doesn't Ilma accuse Team Skull of stealing Pokemon from people? I think How does... One of them accuses them of it, but it's never confirmed, at least in either game. I mean, in the first game, the only time they steal a Pokemon is when they steal a Pokemon that technically doesn't have an owner. Like, they steal an quote-unquote orphaned Pokemon that is a young goose. So, like, you could consider that adoption. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> in a weird roundabout way. <laughs> The same way that we adopt Pokemon going through our journeys. Okay, so then this is just like a sort of thing now that we're like onto this topic that always confused me with the anime of like when there was a wild Pokemon in the anime and Team Rocket would be quote unquote stealing them and Ash and the gang would stop them from stealing them. And then they're just catching Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah, they're just catching Pokemon. What's the like? I don't see what the difference is. Like, if I caught a Pokemon and then sold it to somebody. That's literally the game corner. Like, that's, the, that's what the game corner is. Or the Magikarp guy. Or the Magikarp guy. And we all like him. Sort I, of. What do you mean, sort of? Well, I mean, he does try and pass the Magikarp off as a Feebass. In the anime? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm talking about in the games where he's just like, 
Hi, I have this rare magic card. Five hundred dollars. Which five hundred dollars? That's, that's like, like five three. bucks. That's that's well, yeah, for us, but like for like in game, that's like three Pokeballs. Which means like that just means you failed catching a magic card. Like you caught it on the third Pokeball. That's not bad. That's not bad. No. And then when you ever you get it in the game, like in black and white when you uh when you he sells you a magic card, you literally could not get a magic card. So it was a it was a big thing. And then in um it might have been black and white too. Whichever. One of the games, one of those two, one of the Gen 5 games where you can't get a Magikarp, he sells it to you, and then, boom, you get a Magikarp. Which means you get a Gyarados. Which means you get a Gyarados. And here at Lake of Rage Radio, we like Gyarados. Gyarados is pretty neat. Um, he's pretty, they're pretty okay, I guess. I suppose we like Gyarados. Gyarados is great. This is devolving a little bit. But no, the point being here is... I mean, and even in red and blue, and yellow, and heart, and fire red, and leaf green. <laughs> yeah, you get it right before the... Uh, Mount Moon. Mount Moon. Yeah, which is really nice, because when doing that, um, you get to go through a cave, and... I mean, I was going to say it's a water type, but it's not like it gets any water type. It's no, ice. but the cave isn't exactly full of challenging Pokemon, so you can run the Magikarp as your lead, and then know that you can safely switch into... Your starter, whatever it happened to be. Starter, or if you caught a Pikachu in Viridian Forest, or if it's yellow version, you get I a guess Nidoran. that'd be your starter. <laughs> if it's yellow version, you caught a Nidoran, because it's a Nidoran. Yeah, Nidoran's good. It's... And that's how you're beating Brock. Yeah, you're not wrong. Unless you were the person who decided to go with the Metapod route and get, like, evolve up a, a Butterfree. I'm not I'm not as big on that as much as the Nidoran or the Mankey. Like, I'm a big fan of Mankey. Mankey's great. He's a pig monkey. Who thought, like, hey, you know, we're going to pick two animals to fuse together to make um, a fantastic little creature to put it in a little little gachapon ball. Um, what if we fused a, a monkey and a pig and then made him just really angry all the time? And uh, somewhere along the line, um, somebody was like, yeah, this is a great idea. Well, what are we going to call it? What if we use an angry monkey? Okay. Mankey, genius, and that's Mankey. That's yeah, that's the history of Mankey. That's it. There's no there's no greater. Other actually might actually be some sort of like real mythological or thing behind it. In which case, we'll look it up and find give it to you in the next episode if there is one. But Mankey's the best. So coming up to the end of the island, pretty much here. How did you feel about Mantine Surf doing it? Uh, Mantine Surf uh, initially the tutorial I think is the biggest thing i have against the entire game so far um like yeah you need a tutorial to learn how to play it but restarting the game i know you're gonna always have to do that tutorial and it's going to be obnoxious because the tutorial is a little clunky i don't actually like mantine surf personally i've now done it on this island i've done it from the islands back and forth to get some more battle points to get some uh cool move tutors on the second island for um some of my pokemon uh, I guess Island 1, before we... Oh, no, let's finish this up first. Go ahead. How did you feel about Mantine Surf? Um, I agree with you that the tutorial was a little bit lengthier than I'd have liked. I know when uh, Brandon and I were playing together, we were both doing Mantine Surf. He was doing it for like the second or third time. Mm -hmm. And he's finishing his second run through while we're sitting down together. And I'm like, alright, so now I'm, I think I'm almost done with this. I can see the island over there. And he just said, oh, you're still doing it? Yeah, the tutorial takes a while. Yeah, that's but, true. All in all, I found it kind of enjoyable after a little bit, just going for high scores and stuff in it. And I had a fun time going back and forth with it a few times, getting back to Samson after I had enough totem stickers. That's fair. 
honestly now um once i get the ability to like when i did it and i had to go back to the uh melee melee island from akala island i just went ahead and jumped on the ferry to go back um see i couldn't figure out how to do that yeah you just go into the the ferry ship the i'll show you i'll show you don't worry about it forget about it i just took Um, the mantine back that's absolutely fair it doesn't take that long but it takes long enough where i don't want to do it every time i want to go between islands but then again you eventually get charizard fly and that won't be a huge problem um something i noticed is how is a little bit sassier in this game how's a little bit sassier when you're meeting up with kukui down at the malasada shop area um uh to go to the island um he's like hey lily help me fix the ship and she's like sure which that's a new thing that's new dialogue. Yeah. That's I mean that's doesn't that's not much, but it's new dialogue. And um how's like Come on, Jake. Or Travis or what Come on, main character. Uh you don't want to ride on Kukui's musty ship. It's gross and it's probably going to sink and we're all going to die. Jump on a mantine. Let's do the mantine thing. That's that's how we do things. Um That's it, I guess, really. They let you they let you be mean to how less in this game with your dialogue, which I think is a negative because I don't like how. I also don't appreciate how very much as a person. I like him as a character though, but not as a person. I <laughs> I like how as a character, but I would not want to be friends with how if he was a real person. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair. That's yeah. We've all all three of us have actually said that in real life. So how did you feel about the Pokemon Photo Club? I think it's neat. Uh, I feel like once there's more features unlocked for it, I'm hoping there'll be more features unlocked for it. Um, it'll be more fun. Um, I could do with or without it. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. Like I'm hoping some people can take some cool shots with it, have some neat stuff. I wouldn't mind seeing like online competitions for who can come up with the like most well-composed photo. I know the Mario Odyssey community has been doing that with the snapshot mode there. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind seeing some stuff with that in Pokemon as well. I mean, Pokemon's got a fairly decently sized community. I think we could do something with it. Yeah. Um, so Rotom decks, real quick here. How do you feel about the changes to the Rotom decks? Uh, the changes where he, on the map, like the Roto Lotto, the dialogue choices and all that? Yeah. Uh, I've been enjoying them, actually. Yeah, I've heard a couple people complaining online, some reviewers saying that it's, like, a big thing. Um, I haven't noticed it as much. Like, uh, he'll have, like, his eyes half shut if you, and then you'll boop him and he might say something. But other than that, he's pretty quiet. Yeah. It reminds you to save the game if you haven't done that in a while. Which which honestly is, is nice. Which is really nice if you suddenly realize, oh, I've been playing for four hours and I haven't saved yet. <clears throat> Brandon. Um... Yeah, no, it was funny because we were talking about that with Brandon, and he said he got he got kind of upset, and he's like, "Wait, it auto saves now? Like Pokemon shouldn't auto save? That'd be a bad thing." And we agree, of course, auto saving in a Pokemon game would be a terrible thing, um, because of the amount of soft resetting you do in these games. Um, but he's like, "No, no, Rotom just is like, hey, do you want to save right now?" Rotom will also ask you if you have like a bunch of Pokemon like damaged in your party. I don't know if you've had this happen yet, like. Hey, do you want to use some healing items? Some of your Pokemon are a little a little worse for the weather. Uh, no, I haven't seen that. I think he might have been about to ask that right before I flew off to a Pokemon Center, though. Yeah. So I kind of interrupted his tangent with, I'm going to go to a Pokemon Center. Yeah, that works. Um, he'll ask. He's asked me it a few times when I get out of a Pokemon Center. I'm like, 
No, Rotom. We we fixed this problem. We already did this. Don't worry about it, buddy. You're a little bit. You're lagging behind. Um, this needs a firmware update. <laughs> Which he reboots and updates his software sometimes in dialogue choices. I don't know if, if you've seen that yet. Uh, he also updates his camera software for the Rotom Find or whatever it's called. The like camera mode where you snap it, po- play Pokemon Snap. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the different upgrades for getting so many thumbs up on your photos. Yeah, I'm. I again, that's one of those features that I know some people had fun with. I don't care enough to mess with it. I know you were like sitting there, like real National Geographicing out a uh, Magby the other day when we were all hanging out. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I feel like they've added more spots you can actually take photos in for it too, which is necessary, um, because uh, if it's it's as limited as it is. It needs. It just needs more. Um, honestly, like Nintendo switches out. If Pokemon could put put somebody on a a new Pokemon Snap game, you could do a Pokemon Snap game that only has Pokemon available in the Alola region. You could do a Pokemon Snap game that has you know all of them. Um, I don't know. Uh, like when I say that, I am saying that as somebody who does not know the anything about video games and how difficult that would be um like programming wise and just like logistically wise for gameplay but also pokemon snap itself isn't like a super serious game no it's very much uh enjoyment yeah it knows that it's a spinoff and it kind of revels in it yeah so like that's that's the sort of thing i'm i'm hoping we get to see again but who knows um real quick uh how uh how did your team fare against Hala? Actually, instead of asking that question, ask that question after. What was your team uh, leaving uh, Melee Melee Island? Um, leaving Melee Melee Island, my team was uh, my starter, which had evolved into a Dartrix. I believe I had caught my Ghastly at that point. I had the Event Rockruff. By the way, don't forget to get your Event Rockruff. Yeah, uh, you can get it before, I think it's until like January... 29th or something like that um um but yeah and i think i might have had one more pokemon that i'm forgetting here yeah uh, meowth oh I, meowth i caught a meowth nice um on mine i used um the poke finder to immediately get a bulbasaur um uh, when i could uh because i found out hey poke finder is still a thing in this game i already have access to it I wonder what's on Melee Melee Island on Friday. This the release day. And so I ended up spending three hours trying to soft reset for a good nature Bulbasaur, which both Travis and Brandon questioned why it's just a game playthrough, to which I honestly have no excuses for. I just wasted three hours trying to get a good nature Bulbasaur and got a okay natured Bulbasaur and just stopped doing it because I'd spent way too long soft resetting. Um, I also had a Dartrix... Uh, no, I had an Ivysaur and a Dartrix um, because I chose uh, Rowlet. Um, let's see what else. I had the Rockruff. Um, uh, my Alolan Grimer because uh, I fall, fell in love with uh, Alolan Grimer uh, in the last game. Uh, for I mean, he's rainbow and just there's a lot of poisoning going on and Oh boy, totem totem Pokemon are so much better, easier to kill when they have been poisoned and they have a slow drain on them because there is no trainer who is going to be healing them and it makes it a heck of a lot easier to win those matches. 
They're also really easy to kill when your Razor Leaf does nothing but crit against them and the Pokemon they summon. That seems pretty good. It was pretty good. That seems pretty lucky. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see, what else? There was uh, another Pokemon I had on my team before leaving there. Um, I want to say maybe... No, not that. It was the next island. Maybe that was really it. Maybe it was just those guys. Um, yeah, but overall... Um, pretty solid game uh i've heard a lot of people questioning you know is it different enough uh to buy this game i don't think it's we're far enough in the game to say that yet i would say if you are a person who plays pokemon games and buys pokemon games on a regular basis it's probably worth it yeah uh if you're somebody who like oh i the last pokemon game i played was like x and y then yes, buy it because you should have played set, uh, Sun and Moon to Sun begin and Moon with. To begin with, or oh, but like, I don't know if you're if you aren't interested in playing competitively at all. If you aren't interested in uh, like story changes that much, and you just kind of wanted to be up to date with Pokemon, you maybe don't need to buy this game. I would still probably recommend it too, but I don't know. Yeah, overall, I'd say that it's well worth it. It's a very enjoyable game. Sun and Moon is still probably my favorite generation so far. Yeah, I mean, story-wise, these games are really diverse. And, uh, I mean, we really haven't seen a story this vibrant since, like, the Black and White, Black and White 2 games. Um, I mean, X and Y kind of had a story yeah but they felt kind of unfinished yeah there's a lot that just needed to be sun and moon were really good but at, towards the end i kind of felt like the post game was a little bit lacking for sure and from what nintendo's claim that has been solved with ultra sun and ultra moon yeah a lot of their um release material has been like hey there's a lot of extra stuff. i mean we've seen the rainbow rocket stuff in official um uh, teasers teasers that's the one I'm looking for thank you Travis um, official teasers so I feel like that's definitely something we can be looking forward to on top of that um, I feel like there were some things definitely rushed in Pokemon Sun and Moon um, for instance uh, like Melee Melee Island uh, there's a lot more like Howley City has different aesthetic choices that aren't in the other one and a lot of things are kind of more like very rigid set um like toolbox items and things feel more lived in feel more detailed in this game on top of there are more areas you can reach um the mantine surf thing and just i don't think we've discussed it all um the like there's a lot more side quests in this game i've noticed like the bottle quest on the beach bottle uh... quest on the beach the guy with the meowth yeah, yeah, there's just a lot more neat stuff there. Yeah, where you can just get items or complete stuff. And so that that's interesting, too. Like, little stuff like that, which makes that feel more like a Pokemon game to me. Yeah, and it also helps helps make it feel like it's more of a like an actual living world that more than just you, the player, are inhabiting. Yeah, which is always nice. Um, I also appreciate that there's some stuff that, like... Uh, in the first game, the whole hunt for the Zygarde cubes, then the Zygarde cells, felt kind of out of place with the rest of the story. 
And I appreciate that they at least tried to solve that a little bit, however well they may or may not have done, with the totem stickers having some way to work that into the, like, lore of the region. Instead of just, hey, we're scientists, we exploded a Zygarde over Alola, now its pieces are everywhere, please help us put it back together. Yeah, I mean, and I don't have any confirmation, and I don't believe Travis does either on this, but just kind of rhetorically speaking, like, I wonder how they're going to handle Zygarde in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon if there will be anything regarding Zygarde at all, um, or if you'll just be able to, like, walk up to their science booth and be like, I would like one Zygarde, please, and then they'll just hand you one Zygarde. Uh, from what I've read, they will hand you one dog Zygarde and then say... Also, we exploded a Zygarde over the region. Please go get the rest of them. You have ten of them right now. Really? Yeah. So, Zygarde Cube is still going to be a thing. Yep, but not until post-game. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. So, I guess wrapping up here, Travis, any final thoughts you want to leave off on before we call it a, a mini-sode? Um, yeah, so far the game's been pretty enjoyable. Uh, I've been having a good time with it. I've decided to go through and do just kind of put my own twist on it. I'm doing a mono ghost playthrough this time just to change things up a little bit. And that's been pretty fun. Um, all in all, the first island seemed like it was largely unchanged, but the minor things they did change helped it stand out. Yeah, I would go ahead and agree with uh, that. Island 1, not super different noticeably different not super different but the changes they made help to pace the game out significantly better and it's little tweaks like that and little bits of polish like that that really reminds us like why game freak is such a good company and why they do such a good job with this kind of stuff um i think we're going to call that uh, an episode then uh, so if you guys want to find us on uh, youtube or uh, soundcloud you can find us at lake of rage radio and uh, as Travis said at the beginning, we're also now on iTunes and Stitcher um, under Lake of Rage Radio, of course. Yeah, yeah. and if you want to get a hold of us somehow, we're on Gmail at Lake of Rage Radio at gmail.com. I believe we're on Twitter as well at Lake of Rage Radio. That's right. And I guarantee, maybe, probably, yeah, totally, we will actually check those. And I will make a concerted effort to be using social media more. Have a good one. Bye.